the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Many survivors feel like they've lost themselves to trauma, and it can seem impossible to find the upside of an experience that's so devastating. Today's guest, Madeline Popelka, understands the pain of trauma, having experienced it in her own life. She joins us to share the insight she gained that shifted her perspective, brought her comfort, reduced her shame, and helped her feel less alone. Madeline is the creator of Healing from PTSD, a healing community on Instagram. She's the author of the book, you're going to be okay. 16 lessons on healing after trauma. Welcome, Madeline. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Joan. So, Madeline, you've created a large community of people that support each other through healing. How did you get started doing this work? What happened to you that put you on this path? Yeah, so I went through several traumatic experiences throughout my life, beginning in my childhood, um, through my adulthood. But because they weren't that bad and it could have been worse, I buried my pain and just tried to move on. And about five years ago, it all caught up to me and I suffered from severe trauma symptoms that completely disrupted my life and made it impossible to work or sleep or do anything really other than cry. And I was ultimately diagnosed with PTSD and I was ashamed of having PTSD. And because of that shame, I kept it a secret and I suffered in isolation and I was desperate to find a path toward healing. And I turned to books and a lot of other resources out there, but I didn't feel seen and didn't feel like my quote unquote small traumatic experiences were valid since most of the trauma discussed in books and on TV and other media that we see is often really intense and devastating. So once I started to heal and got to a certain point in my healing journey where I felt stable enough, I was inspired to share my story to help other survivors like me feel less alone and feel validated. So that's when I started healing from PTSD and the messaging just resonated with so many people out there because I think most people go through a traumatic experience, but a lot of people don't recognize that as trauma because it isn't the most intense or devastating experience out there. I think that's a wonderful point, Madeline, because you, you said a, a few times it could have been worse or it wasn't a, a major trauma, but really what defines a major trauma? It, You know, it, it's true. We tend to look at someone who may have been sexually assaulted or, or lost a loved one. We think that those are the, the biggies, but really anything we experience can affect us in a traumatic way. Absolutely. And I'm really passionate about talking about how these quote-unquote small traumatic experiences are still important and, you know, everyone deserves to heal from them because 
they can impact survivors in major ways. Like in my experience, the series of traumatic experiences that I went through, even though they weren't that bad, compounded and led to severe PTSD. Um, so I think that, you know, we're, we're quick to invalidate and dismiss our pain and even other people's pain when they've gone through something that doesn't seem that bad. But trauma is deeply personal. And um, I like to remind my community that no matter how small your trauma seems, like you still deserve to heal. And unless you put the time and effort into healing your wounds, that pain won't disappear on its own. When you experienced each of those different traumas and and you were kind of brushing them off as not being anything major, did you feel like you dealt with them at each time or did they just, you know, was it something you were just kind of pushing under the rug and, and trying to muddle through? It was, I kept on pushing it under the rug and I kept on avoiding. And I thought that, I thought that just if I could just forget about what happened and move on, then I would be okay. Um, so, and I continued doing that. It, it was just like my coping strategy to get through it all was just to ignore, ignore, ignore. Um, and then over the years, you know, my PTSD symptoms, they would show up in different ways. And then it got to a point when my body was like no more. And then, you know, a series of panic attacks um, changed everything to me and really drew attention to all the pain that I had been through that took a while to uncover through therapy because I'd suppressed it for so long. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. In addition to panic attacks, what were some of the other things you were experiencing? Yeah, um, severe anxiety, feeling really paranoid and unsafe no matter where I was, even in my own home, Um, nightmares, although at the time I didn't know that I was having nightmares because I'd just wake up in a panic, in sweat-drenched sheets, feeling really anxious, Um, insomnia, I had a horrible time trying to fall asleep and um, I mean I'd go days without sleeping um, depression and you know just changes in my mood just um, I feel like before my PTSD symptoms really came in in full force I held a more neutral point of view and then when all the other PTSD symptoms came it was like my world was limited to my suffering and everything was I I just saw everything from a negative point of view instead of something that was more natural and more accurate of what was happening in the world Um, and also a big one for me was really low self-esteem which is what started in my childhood as a result of childhood trauma but then just continued continued to become damaged as I struggled with PTSD as well. And what's what's interesting, let's say something occurs when you're a teenager, we'll just use that as, a, as an example, and then, you know, you, you muddle through and you go on and you're living your life and you're not even thinking about that experience, and then all of these things start to happen, the anxiety, the nightmares, the insomnia, the depression, and you're saying to yourself, but everything is good in my life now, why am I feeling these things? And without doing the right. work... And going back to pinpoint what could be the source of the problem, you really can find yourself lost. Oh, absolutely. Um, Because it was like, because sometimes these PTSD symptoms can be delayed. Like a lot of times, like, yes, people experience them right after following a traumatic event. And I certainly did as well. But for me, um, it, it, you know, the PTSD symptoms didn't come in full force until several months after, um, like one of the last traumatic experiences that I had been through again, like my, (laughs) my story is a little bit different where, um, you know, these experiences compounded on one another and the fears joined forces to haunt me, um, in my dreams and through flashbacks and everything. But, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was like, 
I don't understand why I'm feeling this way. Like when my PTSD symptoms came in full force, I had just gotten married. I moved into a new house in a beautiful neighborhood. I was like, my life is good. Why, why are these panic attacks happening? Why am I so anxious? And then it wasn't until, you know, working through therapy and uncovering these traumatic experiences from my past and making those links that it all started to make sense. You mentioned earlier about feeling shame. Why do you think trauma survivors feel shame? Oh, I mean, so many, so many reasons. I mean, it could be the nature of the traumatic experience. So for me, as a survivor of childhood trauma, um, I thought that I, that, okay, so, so I'm going to give a little bit of backstory. So, um, yeah, so um, my mom, she would do things to terrify me when I would misbehave. And while she never um, struck me physically, she would chase me around the house threatening to beat me. So I thought that that happened because I was a bad kid. And I thought that there was something wrong with me that caused her to treat me that way. So I felt shame for that reason. Um, so in a lot of people, a lot of survivors of abuse um, may be able to relate to that as well. Um or if there's something happened in their traumatic experience where they think that they caused it. So a lot of survivors of sexual assault get blamed for, you know, how much they were drinking or what they were wearing. So they think that they are to blame for what happened to them after when they are absolutely not. And, um, and that can lead to shame if they think that they're to blame for it because of something that they did. And then, Another layer of it is we, like our society, does have this association with struggling with your mental health, with weakness. So if a survivor is experiencing all of these traumatic experience or all of these trauma symptoms, they may think that they're weak for, for experiencing them and not being able to, quote unquote, move on and get on with their lives. And that could be a source of shame as well. Yeah, I, I think that that's probably one of the most difficult parts of all of this is that we are so easily able to blame ourselves for everything that goes on in our lives. And, and like you said, you know, if you lose a friend, you say to yourself, well, what did I do wrong to drive that person away? If you're sexually assaulted, you think I must have done something to bring this on. Um, using your story, you must have been a bad child for your mother to chase you around. And it's almost, you know, it's, it's difficult for us to accept that we may not have anything to do with it, that it's the other person. And so I think that that's probably one of the most difficult realizations to come to. Absolutely. And I mean, I've spent a lot of time thinking about it. And I think it's a really hard truth for us to sit with that we don't have control a lot of over a lot of the bad things that happen to us. A lot of the time it's just, you know, wrong place at the wrong time or, and it's kind of scary to live in a world like that and where you don't have control over everything in the actions of other people. So um, sometimes it's easier to, or in my case, it was easier to blame myself for some of the things that happened to me than to um, really sit with that truth that, um, you know, we can't, we can't control everything that happens in the world that we live in. One of the things that I love that you believe is that a person in pain can become an improved version of him or herself. And I know that that was the case in my own life. I, I went through, I started doing this work after six really intense months of my life where my marriage ended, my mom died, my sister died. And this occurred in, in such a short period of time. And it really, you know, it, it knocked me down. Um, and I think that going through that, while I would never want to go through it again, I wouldn't choose to. I do believe that it changed the person that I have become. I am a better person. I'm doing work that fulfills me, that, that I think helps so many other people. I would not be doing this 
Had I not been through that, I, I don't think I'd be the strong person I am had I not gone through that. So I think that that really offers a lot of hope to people who are at their lowest point to really understand you can use this to enact change in your life that will make your life better. And, you know, somebody right now who's sitting there saying, I don't think so, just remember that we're saying this because it, it is the truth. We've lived it. Yeah, absolutely. It's like trauma reroutes our lives and um, it can be absolutely devastating to lose yourself or loved ones and the life that you cherished before. But healing can lead you to develop a better understanding of yourself. It can lead you to purpose. Um, and even though you've gone through a traumatic experience, that doesn't mean that you can't live a fulfilling life after trauma. Madeline, would you share a few of the key lessons from your book? Yeah. So, um, well, just an overview of the book for listeners. Um, this project was or is so personal to me, and it's the book that I needed to read on my healing journey when I didn't feel seen or supported. Um, and in it, I share the 16 lessons that I learned on my healing journey that I wish I learned sooner. And I share the insights that shifted my perspective and reduced my shame. And I really hope that it'll do the same for readers. And um, I want it to be a companion that a survivor can have to comfort them on their healing journey to help them feel less alone. Um, and I really hope that by sharing my story, it gives other trauma survivors hope. Um, and help them see that there is a path forward and that healing is possible. Um, and so there are 16 lessons. And if I were to pick one, one of them that is top of mind right now, um, I would say lesson number 11, which is hold space for the goodness. Because when you're dealing with trauma and you're struggling with symptoms, it can feel like your world is limited to your suffering and trauma can trick you into thinking that good things in your life don't exist. Like there could be good things happening in your life, but when we're so consumed with our pain, it's hard to even acknowledge the good things in your life that do exist. Um, and, you know, healing is just as much about letting yourself experience the good things as it is about working through your pain. So in that chapter, I share some tips on how to do that. And then another another favorite lesson would be your story isn't over. And it's it refers to what we were just talking about, about how, you know, after trauma, like, you may not be able to restore what your life was before going through those experiences because those experiences change us. Like we can't undo what we'd experience. Um, and it's really about, um, you know, reconnecting with yourself and redefining your values so you can create a more fulfilling life after trauma um, and for some, I believe that it may help them find a more joyful way of living as well. Madeline, if, if someone listening to us right now is experiencing some of the PTSD symptoms that you described, what do you advise that person do to begin the healing? Yeah, so number one, I would just want them to know that I know that the symptoms may be overwhelming and they certainly do not feel normal, but you are not damaged if you are experiencing these symptoms. There is nothing innately wrong with you. You are not weak. Um, it's just the way that our brain and body are trying to protect us from it happening again. Um, so, so don't, I, I, I hope that, um, I hope that understanding that would help them feel less ashamed. Um, and then also if you're feeling overwhelmed and you're struggling to get by each day, ask for support. I think a lot of people think that they need to heal alone, but connection helps us heal. Um, 
I isolated myself when I was diagnosed with PTSD and things felt incredibly heavy because I was going through it alone. But once I started letting my loved ones in on what was happening and once I got support with a therapist, things got a lot lighter. Um, So I just want to remind people that asking for help doesn't mean that you're weak or incompetent. Um, I actually think that it's a strength to know to know your limitations and to know when you need support. Um, and then lastly, I just want them to know that healing is possible. Um, and there, you know, you may not get there how you imagine and healing looks different for everyone. And there are so many different paths you can take to heal, but um, I hope that, I hope that they know that there is, there is a path forward. The book is You're Going to Be Okay, 16 Lessons on Healing After Trauma. If you'd like to learn more about Madeline and her work, you can visit MadelinePopelka.com. Madeline, in our final moments, would you tell us about your Instagram community? Yes. So the handle is at Healing from PTSD. And from the, and there I share a lot of you know, reminders to support trauma survivors, Um, I do polls with trauma survivors on there and share out our insights. And it's a place where you all can support each other in the comments. And and I hope that it helps you feel seen to seeing, you know, an account run by someone who has been through it as well. Madeline, thank you so much for joining us. You were doing such important work, and I'm so happy that you were here to share some of these lessons with us. Thank you so much. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you feel lost on your journey to health and happiness? Then let us guide you on your path. Personalized actions towards health. Your path is a series of choices you act on every day. We guide you on a personalized journey of dietary, exercise, genetic, supplement, and lifestyle choices that lead you to optimal health and happiness. Often taking the road less traveled leads to liberation. Your path is personal. Your journey, like you is unique. Take action today. Head to bestpathforme.com. Again, that's bestpathforme.com. An invitation to appear on a radio show or podcast provides you with the opportunity to showcase your knowledge while promoting yourself, your products, and your business. It can elevate you as an expert, boosting your reputation, but only if you make a good impression. As a producer and radio host who has conducted more than 2,000 interviews, I have experienced all kinds of conversations. Some are great and leave the audience wanting more, while others are uninteresting, significantly diminishing the guest's appearance. In my training program, It's Your Time to Shine, I provide valuable information that will empower you to make media appearances more impactful. You work hard to get the booking, so don't waste the opportunity because of a lack of skills or preparation. To learn more about how I can help you shine like a pro, visit cyacyl.com slash media training. That's cyacyl.com slash media training. productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach on Call expert provides strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining us today is Doreen Steenland, an ICF certified coach who uses neuroscience and coaching to harness the power of our brains. As a transformational neuro coach, Doreen changes brains one thought at a time. Doreen is the founder of Living Full Life Coaching. She is here today to discuss communicating to influence. Welcome, Doreen. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Doreen, there are many reasons to communicate, each with a desired outcome. What does it mean to communicate to influence? Yeah, that's a great question. So immediately when we start talking, our brain is either drawing people to them or pushing them away, which is why our words and our presence matter so much. Um, Trust and distrust are located in different areas of the brain. So as speakers and leaders who want to influence, we want to activate the trust network in the brain so that we can influence and impact people that we're communicating with and create buy-in and collaboration. What mistakes do you think we make the most often when we communicate? 
Yeah. So most of the time, it's it's when we don't realize that um, there's there's an important conversation coming up, and it, we often don't notice this because we don't practice dealing with these very important conversations that are emotionally charged very often. And and let's face it, we're seeing these emotionally charged conversations in our society on rerun over and over again. And if we could just pause and think through these conversations and really learn to come with a mutual respect and, and charge and have a plan in place before before we have these conversations, we can change everything in what's happening in our world right now. These conversations, they don't happen, so we don't really have enough practice to build in the habit and pattern, um, and they're usually most emotionally charged. So the goal for us is to have a plan in place before we have these conversations so that when we get to this point, we can recognize that it's happening and intervene in that that pattern. In addition to having a plan, what are some other strategies we can implement to be more effective? Yeah, so um, immediately um, we need to know that your brain will not engage and, and feel trust unless it feels safe. If the brain is feeling threatened, Um, in any way, shape, or form. It's going to pull back, go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. It's it's going into threat mode. It's going into protective mode. So what? one of the things, several of the things that we can focus on are our safety, first of all, making it a place where there's mutual respect and, and where we are trying to share ideas and come with curiosity and a desire to learn and understand what the other person is saying. Instead of letting our emotions take us on this train where we want to prove ourselves right, because let's face it, our brains are always looking to prove ourselves right. So if we can recognize that inside of us, our brains are working to prove ourselves right, and we can pause in that moment and say, I, I'm feeling threatened right now. I need to calm myself. And I'm wondering if the other person is feeling threatened. I'm wondering if I really understand what they're trying to say. What if I asked a question to get more information, right? Having that kind of attitude as we're approaching a, a tense conversation opens things up and, and creates this safety because everybody wants to feel seen, heard, and understood, so if we if we can provide that that safe trusting place where mutual mutually respected respectful conversations could take place that's kind of the first step in in having these conversations Doreen, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Doreen and her work, or if you would like to work with Doreen, you can visit her website, livingfulllifecoaching.com, or as always to hear more from Doreen, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Doreen. We'll be right back. The trick is to enjoy life. Don't wish away your days waiting for better ones ahead. I recently stumbled upon this quote by Marjorie Pay Hinckley. Marjorie's words got me to thinking about my life and how I've rushed most of it away, not being fully present or savoring the joy of any moment. Hi, this is Joan Herman here with a lesson learned while earning my PhD in life. Don't wish away your days waiting for better ones. When I was a teenager, I couldn't wait to grow up so I could drink or go to college or even get married. When my children were infants and toddlers, I muddled through most days in anticipation of the evening when they would go to sleep, and I thought about when they would be older and more self-sufficient. When I was the caregiver for my parents, I struggled through those years frazzled and exhausted. When I held job positions that were unfulfilling, I wished for the day that I would find employment that made me happy. Looking back, I can't recall one period in my life in which I wasn't looking ahead to something different or better. The sad thing is that it took tremendous loss to wake me up. The loss of my marriage, the deaths of my parents and siblings, my children growing up and moving on with their lives. Now, I strive to live in the present moment. All those quotes about leaving the past behind and not worrying about the future are so true. When you live in the past or try to anticipate the future, you miss the here and now. So what can you do? When you're dealing with a challenge, look for the positive and learn from the experience. 
if you're caring for a sick loved one. Treasure every minute because I promise you one day you would give anything to nurse that person again. If your children are driving you crazy, remember that sooner than you'll like, they will be moving out and starting their own lives. All the seemingly insignificant moments, both good and bad, are, as Paul Anka said, the times of your life. Enjoy them all. Thank you for spending this time with me. For more inspiration and empowering tools, visit joanherman.com. WNYM Hackensack. to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. Do you ever wonder why you're alive? Do you search for your purpose? Today's guest, Daniel John, joins us to provide insight on topics such as death, angels, religion, and mediumship. Daniel is a spiritual medium and author of the book, Why Are We Here? Reflections on Life from a Spiritual Medium. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Joan. I appreciate it. So, Daniel, whenever I meet someone who does the type of work that you do, it always fascinates me. And then when I learn that person's backstory, I realize that you're really no different than me or anyone else who's listening to us right now. You were raised Catholic, and you're doing work today that you never thought you would be doing. So tell us what happened that got you started on this journey. Yeah, it's a great question. I I never imagined this. And the short version of the story is I was sitting next to a woman at a restaurant at a work event and uh, I started to get these feelings, impressions. Uh, I can't even explain it. I I definitely couldn't explain it then, but the best way I could put it now is they were impressions. They were thoughts that came into my mind. Well, those thoughts ended up being her husband's name and her kids' names and very detailed, specific, helpful information for this woman. Uh, And it turned out after about 45 minutes, we realized that somehow some way, her husband's energy uh, was impressing thoughts, I say, coming through to me so that I can help her in her grieving process. And it turns out that about six months prior to us meeting, uh, he passed away suddenly, instantly, and they were married for 30 years and they never got to say goodbye. So this was their goodbye. And the most important part of that is at the end, I'll never forget her saying to me the words that stick with me today, which was, Thank you so much. I've been waiting for this. And that healing, that love that was provided through me by spirit uh, was one of the most powerful experiences I've had to to this day. Daniel, when that was happening to you, did you realize what was going on? I mean, had this ever happened to you before? You know, looking back now, was it something that occurred more frequently, but you didn't realize it? I didn't. I had no idea what was going on. It was. It never had happened to me before. I had always. I tell people when they ask this, that's a great question. Is I don't. I've had times in my life where I was guided to share things with people, there. I, where there's no way I knew any information about how I knew it, but I knew it had come from somewhere or somehow. But I didn't really think much about it because I. I really love helping people, but to, to connect with the soul specifically to provide healing on this type of level had never, never happened before. So I didn't even know what was going on. So when that happened to you, were you frightened by it? I was not because the feeling of the peace that she felt and the goosebumps and happiness that I felt from the energy that like was exchanged during that time was unexplainable. It's almost like picture yourself watching a love story and it all is a happy ending. They meet each other. They're together forever. Nothing bad happens. It was that type of feeling. So there, there was really nothing to fear, even though I didn't understand it because it was so overwhelmingly healing and helpful and full of love. What happened after that? A, a lot of us get feelings where we just kind of know something, but we're not really sure if it's in our head, if it's, you know, where it's coming from. So when this happened to you, what did you do after that? Did you decide you wanted to hone into it, or did it just start happening more and more frequently on its own? Great question. On the short term, I was questioning. I, I'm a logical, pragmatic, left-brain male thinker, and I didn't understand what happened, but because it provided so much love and healing, um, I was in tune to it because, or at least I should say interested in continuing to do it, mostly because of the words she said to me and the way that she smiled and cried with happy tears for the reunion. So on the short term, uh, nothing happened for about a year, actually. Uh, it was a whole learning process. I started looking into books about mediumship. I just saw a shadow on the ground. Um, 
looking into books about mediumship and near death experiences, and I absorbed book after book. And it wasn't until about a year and a half later where I started, I took a class and I started to learn a little bit more on how it works. I, I don't think when you take class, it was more for me understanding the process. But no, in the long term, it took about a year and a half. I had gone through some personal traumas. Uh, I had quit gambling and put aside some of the things that weren't really serving my highest good. And then my gifts started to open up. So after that night, I was confused, but because it was so loving, all, all I needed to do was open my mind and heart and give it some time and let kind of, I call it God, but let God kind of lead me. And, uh, you know, a year and a half later is so when I kind of came out to meet him to say, hey, this is something I can do. This is a gift I have that I'm willing to help other people with. Daniel, what is a spiritual medium? So I'm a very definition kind of guy. Like, he, words have very specific definitions, but I also understand that, you know, I understand that different dictionaries have different uh, meanings. It, in my opinion, a medium is just a halfway point between two extremes, that being the spiritual world and the human world. Anyone who's able to have two-way communication with spirit or energy or the spirit world uh, is considered by definition a medium. The reason I put spiritual in front of the word is as far as defining it so people understand it a little bit more. Um, I could really just put medium. I don't really love the word psychic. We can go down that path as far as definition of that word. But um, I call myself spiritual medium because I... I lump God and Spirit and Holy Spirit and Source and the universe all in one word that we can't even really understand. So I call myself that so it's a little bit better of an understanding for the person who sees it. So, Daniel, I mentioned that you were raised Catholic in the opening, and, and you've been talking about God and the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times when people hear the word medium, they, they think it doesn't go along with religion. They believe that there is this negative or evil force attached to it. So how do you reconcile your religious beliefs with the type of work and the gift that you believe you have? Great question. Uh, internally, my reconciliation took years. Um, it took a lot of Bible study. It took a lot of reading about how to read the Bible. I've read hundreds of books on near-death experiences, Bible, Jesus, you name it, uh, religion in general. Uh, and so the internal reconciliation took a long time to, and a lot of prayer. Uh, because and, and then also as a result of literally thousands of mediumship sessions that have resulted in more faith and loving life again and being a loving person. And, you know, Because a lot of people, when they lose their loved ones, they fall away from that source we call God. So um, internally it took a long time. Externally, what I've learned from that long time is a medium is just someone who's in between the spirit world and the human world. Jesus, Paul, Moses, they're all mediums. Uh, people get scared at the word, but if you look at the definition, which I cover in my second book, all it means is a halfway point between two extremes or someone who's able to convey information. So by definition, we, we wouldn't even have a Bible if it wasn't for mediums. But I, due to fear and Ignorance, I, they, they say that in a loving way. By definition, ignorance is just a lack of knowledge. Uh, it, it just People are nervous of it, but I can easily explain it through Scripture to anyone who's open-minded enough. Daniel, from doing this type of work, what have you learned about life? What are some of the messages they've given you about life? Oh, loaded, but I love the question. Uh, a few things, in my opinion, from what I've learned, is love is the only thing that matters. Nothing else. It's only about love. The opposite of that is fear or sin or demons. Um, but love is the only thing that matters. Uh, we are here to learn. We are here to grow. We are here to love unconditionally, even if someone hates or condemns you. Uh, love is the only thing that we are supposed to respond to, and that is the true test, because that is our true nature. You know, First John 4, 8 says, God is love. Um, so we can't put a definition, in my opinion, on God, but love is the most important thing, and treating other people's, people kindly is the most important thing. And you know what? You have a purpose. Every single person, whether it's you, Joan, or I, or anyone listening to this, we all have a very specific purpose. And it's a, I look at Earth like a school, and that school is teaching me how to love and forgive and have compassion, and everyone's equal. Um, and we all have individual purposes and paths, and every unique person is following their own unique path, which I think is why it's important not to judge other people, and that judgment is a thing that we should stay away from, because we're all equal, and we're all love. 
So there's a lot more lessons to it, and it's a lot deeper, but I would say love is the single most important thing from the moment I started this until literally this morning with a session I know I have later that already stuff is coming through for. It's all about love. You know, you talk about the importance of love, and there's so much pain in the world today, and so often we feel like we're all alone, but we're we're really not. You know, you say we have a plan. Each one of us has a plan. Are there guides? Are there angels? Do we have people that, or, or spirits, I should say, that are always by our side helping us to navigate this plan? In my opinion, you know, Jeremiah 29 11 is a verse that talks about our plan. And as far as angels and guides, from my experience, absolutely. And I used my favorite absolute all-time movie, It's a Wonderful Life. And in that movie, you know, George has Clarence, who's Clarence has known his whole life from the time perspective in the beginning. It's a little off, but it's someone who's looking after you. I feel like some of us have one. Some of us have multiple. Um, but that's why I think verses like ask and you shall receive are, you know, Matthew 7, 7, because you have this team of people. I talk about it in my, in, in my book. I think it's chapter 7 or 8. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, well, I feel like we have this team of energy. We call it energy or spirit or whatever word you want to use. It's like ready, willing, and able to help us when we're ready, willing, able to accept something greater, call it God, um, ask, which pray, and receive, trust. Because once you do those combination of things, there's a team that will make it completely obvious of where your path or your easiest path or your best path in life will go. Are our angels loved ones that have passed, or are they different guides that are assigned to us? And when our loved ones pass, do they follow us? Do they stay close to us? Yeah, great question. In my opinion, uh, I believe that we, in the, with the human ego, separate energy when in reality it's all one. But from the human individual perspective, I do believe that there are certain, I've been, I've been told to share this with specific people who then later confirm that they would believe that their grandfather or their child or their parent was Sure enough, they're guardian angels. So, yes, I think that's a possibility and a high probability, but each one has their own unique. Uh, and I've also uh, their own guide, and I've also learned that they change throughout time, throughout lifetimes, depending on your growth. Um, and absolutely, 100% from all of my experience and readings, and now readings meaning books and sessions meaning mediumship sessions and the thousands of sessions I've had, I 100% can say, in my opinion, that from my experience, our loved ones are literally always with us. And the way my analogy for that is, we're living life, it's a movie, and our soul is experiencing this reality in the body. Our loved ones are sitting there having popcorn, hoping that we, every day throughout our life, make good, loving decisions. And they're with us, they're supporting us, they're encouraging us, and literally always with us, in my opinion. Is there something that we each can do to learn how to tap into their guidance or their messages on our own? That's a great question. So in my book, I talk about putting yourself at a high vibration, and that includes loving, not judging others, forgiving, having compassion, praying, meditating, eating properly, taking care of your body. Um, for me, I had to quit gambling. I had to quit drinking. You know, you put the human stuff aside. I talk about it in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, focusing on the things of the Spirit, which is love. All these things, drinking and smoking and gambling and pornography, these are all egoic, demonic things that really lower our vibration. Um, when you put those aside and you do all the other things I mentioned, uh, you raise your energy and you put yourself, you know, in an energy that resonates or vibrates as close as source as possible. Jesus is my, is my favorite, someone who really learned how to do that and came here to teach us how to do that, you know, fasting and praying and Kind of saying, okay, this is the body. I'm putting it aside and focusing on what truly matters, which is love, which is spirit, which is God. The book is Why Are We Here? Reflections on Life from a Spiritual Medium. If you'd like to learn more about Daniel and his work, you can visit danieljohnmedium.com. In our final moments, what do you hope your work in your book does? How do, how do you hope it helps people? My purpose in this whole thing, and, and you know, I've even questioned it from a purpose perspective, my goal is to help people live the most absolute beautiful lives they can, whether it's through religion or politics or love or anything in between, like letting people live their own life and serving their purpose and enjoying their time here, because I truly do believe life is a gift. 
is my absolute number one goal, priority, and what drives me. You know, because there is some times where I get a little kickback from some people who don't understand what I do. If they were just willing to listen, to learn, to, to be loved and understand that my purpose is truly genuine and from the heart, my goal is to help people live better lives because there's something more beautiful that sometimes you're blind to. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you today, because in today's world, who doesn't need more love and kindness and peace? And and really, your message is one that we all should be listening to and incorporating into our lives. So thank you so much for spending this time with us. Thank you for having me, Joan. I appreciate it. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Did you know that there are three ego states, parents, child, and adults? The parent contains the attitudes, feelings, and behavior incorporated from our parents, guardians, or caretakers. This ego state embodies all the rules, values, and social norms we were taught or conditioned to use during our early years. We depend on this self to keep us within socially acceptable norms. When this ego state gives you advice no longer appropriate for your current age, maturity, and circumstances, it can adversely restrict your creativity, imagination, and development. The adult logically calculates information and makes decisions accordingly. Its vocabulary includes probing questions like who, what, when, where, and why. Our adult fosters our ability to think and act based on what's happening in the current moment. Adult is rational and objective. This ego state deals with facts and makes decisions. It enhances our ability to ask questions, reason, and assess situations accurately. The child is composed of our feelings and emotions. It embodies natural feelings such as joy, sadness, love, and anger. It also encompasses adapted feelings such as inadequacy, shyness, fear of rejection, and desire to please others. Your early conditioning determined which ego state or self currently dominates your personality. All three ego states play an important role in your development as a total person. When we seek personal and professional development, we can create goals to find the balance we need to succeed. To further this discussion, call me, Bertha Robinson, 732-705-5060, or visit staronprofessional.com. Hi, this is Mark Anthony with a quick path tip. What does your breath and fat have in common? Carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. At a basic level, all fat is made up of carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. Now, I bet you are not aware that roughly 80% of your fat loss happens when you exhale. How can that be, you ask? Take a big, deep breath in. Now exhale. Let's take a look at what happened in that breath cycle. Most of what you breathed in was O2, or oxygen. The oxygen that you breathe in connected to the carbon and hydrogen atoms in your fat. The hydrogen turns into water and the carbon turns into carbon dioxide, the air you breathe out. Since the carbon in fat weighs more than the hydrogen, roughly 80% of your fat loss is exhaled as CO2. So what does this really come down to? Do exercises that cause heavy breathing. Whether you walk, run, lift weights, high intensity or low intensity, focus on your breath and revel in the fact that it's causing you to breathe away the inches on your waistline. For more information, please visit bestpathforme.com. Once again, that is bestpathforme.com. to your health. Joining me today is Dr. Rojini Raj, a board-certified gastroenterologist and television personality. Dr. Raj is here today to discuss digestive discomfort. Welcome, Dr. Raj. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. So, Doctor, digestive discomfort can be the result of more than just overeating. It may be caused by a condition called EPI, or exocrine pancreatic insufficiency. Tell us about EPI. Sure. So EPI stands for exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, as you just said, and that's a condition where your pancreas is not producing enough digestive enzymes to digest your food properly. So what you may experience in that case are symptoms such as abdominal pain, bloating, diarrhea, or unexplained weight loss. And the issue is many of these symptoms are also symptoms that are similar to other GI conditions. So it's really important to speak to your doctor if you're experiencing these symptoms frequently or on a recurring basis to make sure you get the proper diagnosis and ultimately the proper treatment. And you can certainly learn more about these symptoms at identifyepi.com. Doctor, who is at greatest risk for having this? And, and how do we know when it really is more than just overeating? I mean, you know what our diets are like today. So how can we tell the 
difference? Sure. Well, in terms of EPI, it has been associated with certain conditions like cystic fibrosis, chronic pancreatitis, which is a chronic inflammation of the pancreas, or even people who've had some type of pancreatic surgery can develop this condition. Uh, but in terms of how do you tell if it's just an occasional indigestion or something that needs to be investigated, it's really about listening to your body, taking, paying attention to the frequency of the symptoms. So if it's just once in a while when you know you've kind of really overindulged, then that's probably something that happens to all of us occasionally. But if it's happening frequently, if it's recurring, if it's something that's affecting your life or your ability to enjoy your life, then it's certainly time to talk to your doctor and get to the bottom of the condition and make sure you know what it is so you can treat it appropriately. Can EPI be dangerous if left undiagnosed? Well, it certainly can affect your ability to absorb the nutrients that you need. It can lead to vitamin deficiencies, um, the weight loss as well It can be concerning, and it can be associated with some other very serious underlying conditions. We talked about cystic fibrosis and chronic pancreatitis, so it's certainly not something that you want to leave undiagnosed. Um, you want to get to the bottom of it and treat it. And where can our listeners go to get more information? IdentifyEPI.com has a lot more information about the condition and the symptoms associated with it. Dr. Raj, thank you so much for being here with us and for bringing this condition to our attention. Again, IdentifyEPI.com is a wonderful source for more resources. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. joining us, I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.